Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. You're very welcome again to Business Garage. This is another Sunday where we come here to resource business people, especially on how to do business with kingdom principles. Uh, We've been going through a series of oil and gas and understanding what opportunities are there for business people. And we are going through it and we shall have the last session next Sunday. As of now, I want to welcome you all again. We send greetings to our Abmo, uh, our father in the house, and Revma, wherever you are, the vision bearers of Business Garage, and all the Ufas who were in Barra yesterday, everyone in your locations, the different locations, in and out of Uganda, you're very welcome, and we're glad to have you with us. Uh, this morning, I have an amazing gentleman, Mr. Agre Ashava. Agre, you're very welcome. Thank you, thank you, Chris. I've known Abra for some years now. He's a man of many things. He's a very resourceful man, and we're going to hear from him today. Uh, like we mentioned last time, Uganda discovered oil, and it's now here. We're here to get it out of the ground and utilize it. But as we do that, uh, we need to have value as a country, because most of the stories here about countries with oil, a lot of the oil is drilled, uh, uh, t- turned into resources, but the countries remain poor. We are here to show you how we can retain value as a country such that some of that money actually stays here. And this morning we have Agri Ashawa from GCC. Agri, welcome again. And you're going to tell us, first of all, who you are. Who is Agri Ashawa? Uh, where do you come from? You know, people think this, this business is for big people. Tell us who you are. But first, before you do that, send greetings to someone. Then you can introduce yourself. Thank you, thank you, Chris. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, obviously, I will send greetings to family. I know they are tuned in at home. Uh, greetings to you, and uh, I hope I do a good job and I make you proud. <laughs> great, great, great. All right, Agre, who are you? Who is Agre? Where did you come from? Uh, what other things do you do? Tell us. Well, um, that's a, a very broad question. Because uh, if we are to speak about Jim Day of mine, it would be quite a, a telling story. But yeah, um, I come from uh, a family of uh, seven, uh, born in Bwaise, Mulago, Bwaise. I know a couple of other people who are listening in are also from a similar background. And I would say, looking at our age group, probably 90% of uh, our age group right now comes from a very similar background. Not very well to do, but we're fortunate enough to have uh, a lot of richness in terms of uh, a good family, loving, and also giving us the ability to be able to explore ourselves and see uh, what the best we could be, uh, depending on what we opted to do. i um, been in business for quite some time. Uh, did my primary school in Nakasero, uh, went to Ontario School, went to Macquarie University, uh, did a bit of employment for one year, and then decided that that is it. I'll try out uh, everything that I would love to do and see what the world would be able to give me. So it's been quite a journey. Tried to do a couple of things, many of them. Right I'm now... to share some of the things you've done. <laughs> 
So people appreciate that you're here, but you've gone a long way through. Well, um, I finished university in 1999, did uh, one year uh, employment with someone, uh, that is uh, Patrick at Simba Telecom, and then decided to venture on my own at that point. And in about 2001, 2002, started my first company, and that was largely to do with um, procurement, supplies, and also as an agent of MTN, but this time in Tire 3, because then we were buying most of the products from Simba Telecom. Uh, so that was part of the first things that I tried to do, and we ran that, uh, I ran that journey for quite some time, <clears throat> doing a few supplies with the government, uh, UPDF, Uganda Police, started to learn the ropes, because then eventually uh, cash became a problem, there were cash flow challenges here and there, and it's, a few things did not work out. And then we, uh, I started to rebrand again and understood that there are certain things that you may want to do, but you do not yet have the capacity to be able You're to do. You're not ready. Yes. No. <clears throat> so we started to seek out different relationships and partnerships that would allow us to scale to be able to make some good, sizable money. Obviously, uh, when you're dealing with government, then you know that the payment cycles really could hurt your cash flows. But this is something that you learn along the way. No one taught that to me. I was a Bachelor of Science student uh, at university, so business was really something that I ventured in because I, I loved a lot of independence. So nine to five was a bit of a challenge. Unknown to me, though, is that when you go private, it's less independence. It's, there's even less independence. So you, have, you actually do 24 hours than when you're employed. So uh, that journey continued, did a few things with the uh, government, Minister of Defense, Uganda Police, Minister of Education, trying to build a bit of capital here and there to see, uh, to grow the businesses. I did my second company around 2005, and this was largely now in the advisory space, and this is largely on business development and strategy basically to improve bottom lines. And this came about because while doing the things that I'd been doing, I realized that there were a couple of gaps that businesses needed uh, solutions to for them to be able to scale. Yeah. While I couldn't be able to do it because I was not bankable, I did not have the money to be able to go to a bank to say, this is the idea I have, because there was nothing to my name. I didn't have any single property, didn't have nothing. So you couldn't walk into a bank and say, I have an idea of this nature, and I'd like you to help me to scale it. Yeah. So then started to provide this service across this different disciplines, uh, telecom, healthcare, infrastructure, um, education, and it is still running up to today. So this is about uh, 15, 20 years, 17 years wow. of business advisory uh, and strategy, but also uh, it's scaled from local businesses to also international businesses, especially those that are coming into the market for the very first time, but also those that are already into the market that are seeking to grow their bottom line or to find inroads in different sectors. And uh, this is where the issue of having the correct relationships and networks also brings a lot of value. <clears throat> so basically with that, then there was uh, oil and gas coming around the corner around 2009 um, when I started to get keen interest. And um, about 2011, we got into 
a relationship with the, um, the company that is bringing me here today, <coughs> which is GCC. So by that time, we had done a bit of work <coughs> with oil and gas, but then we understood that it is impossible for us to be able to enter the market based on the requirements that the industry required. There was no way a Ugandan company could be able to compete and seek any type of solution or any work without having uh, competence, financial muscle, but also a good relationship. So the journey began on trying to see that uh, we get a good partner, one that could help us to solve those three problems. And then we could bring the marketing bit and the sales side and the management bit to the game so that we could be able to build an industry. Uh, fortunately, around 2011, we found a willing partner, <clears throat> and that's when we started, got registered, and since then we've been doing a lot of work uh, for oil and gas, servicing Totali, Nausinok, Unok, and all the different players within the industry. So it's now about 12 years since uh, we opened shop, me and my partners, and uh, I think we've been doing a fantastic job up to today. So we're here. So we're here. So thanks a lot. So Agri, I know before we go into GCC, that's a very good interaction because people are walking your journey. People are skimming. What do I do here and there? I start with the consultancy. I do a little bit of trading. But you learn as you grow and then you fix yourself in the game. But you have so many other things. Uh, someone saw the, the flyer and told me, but that man, I know that man from KCCA Football Club. And I say, I know that man from Chamber of Commerce. You have, tell us a little bit about those two sides of your life so that people appreciate that. It's okay to do many things and do them well. Well, um, along the way, obviously, like I said, the ability to build relationships and good networks also then threw me into the Uganda Chamber of Mines and Petroleum. Uh, this is something that I landed in uh, by building a relationship with a, a very prominent oil and gas guru, uh, Dr. Eric Arhanga, who handheld me. I'm not family, I'm not bloodline, but he thought that a young man with ambition and can be able to do a few things and he groomed me the oil and gas business and uh, I hope to also pay it forward to the different people that uh, I try to also pass on the little inform knowledge that I've obtained along the way but also the fact that because of the work that I've seen him do and what the chamber has done we've also now that the older group was phasing out they asked us to take on the mantle so currently, I'm the General Secretary of the Chamber, and uh, largely the duty of the Chamber is to develop, promote, and protect extractive industry for a beneficial and meaningful uh, extraction of these reserves for the benefit of Ugandans. So what the Chamber does is that it's an association of different companies, from banks, from oil companies, from mining companies, service companies, individuals, experts, industrialists, name it. So we have um, probably chamber membership of about 300, 400 people uh, and companies. And what we do is largely to lobby for proper and um, good policies, but also to solve challenges of our members, but to also spotlight the opportunities. For the last probably eight, nine years, the chamber has been focused on spotlighting opportunities in oil and gas, spotlighting opportunities in the mining industry, supporting government to make sure that the bills and the laws that come through uh, we had a huge contribution on the national content law we've had a huge contribution on the mining bill and there are so many experts that we work with within uh, both industries that are supporting government to make sure that the laws that they are, ma they are making 
are actually beneficial to the private sector. So the chamber acts as a link between private sector and government, but also makes sure that uh, whatever benefits are accrued from the industries, they at least flow down to the Ugandans because the Ugandans are the actual beneficial owners of all these uh, minerals, both solid and uh, liquid waste yeah, minerals. All right, that's very good because our heart here also is that we retain value. All these minerals, all these stories here about the wealth of Africa and us not being able to benefit from that wealth. So that's what the chamber is doing. Yes, um, we've done a bit of that and probably what may not come strongly through is the amount of work that uh, the chamber has done uh, in the background mm. in support of the aspirations of the country. Yes. Because if you look at the oil and gas law and the spirit un under which it was done and passed, it was largely to make sure that they regulate an industry that has been what they call the Dutch disease uh, across different countries to make sure that Uganda has learned or is learning and is going to legislate against what others have done before us. Those who have benefited from the industry, but those who have made the mistakes. And as I can speak to you now is that uh, when you look at the regulator and the amount of work they have done, the wonderful things that they are doing currently to insist and ensure that Ugandans and Ugandan companies benefit from these resources. It is tremendous and fantastic. And the ability that, the ability that has been given to them by the government to allow them the independence to regulate without any political interference is amazing. And so many Ugandans currently are able to benefit from this. Um, the other bits you talk about football is just a labor of love. It's uh, something that I've loved all my life, and um, we just make a contribution. There's no financial reward. It's not a business. It's just something to help to promote people. Because largely in Africa, where Uganda is not uh, any different, is that football is a poor man's game. So people who've not gone to school, and their only degree are the legs and the head that they use on the football pitch 90 minutes. But yet, they can be able to develop or they can be able to grow a life out of it. So what we try to do is to create an environment uh, at KCCA Football Club to make sure that the players or the people who are able to display and demonstrate their talent, we give them the proper platform to be able to excel and even go to greener pastures. And I can say um, with pride that we have managed to put a couple of young boys uh, into the greener pastures who are earning about 20, 30 million, uh, million shillings per month out of playing football. And they are helping back their families. They are bringing back all the money back to here. And I think uh, it's an industry that if we all concentrate on growing, it can be able to fundamentally change uh, the way we look at sport, but also as another revenue source that does not require you to do 16, 17 years of education for you to be able to get a job or to start a business. Wow, wow. A man of many titles and abilities. So, Agri, now let's come back to oil and gas, GCC. What exactly? Uh, people are asking me, what is GCC in full? But most of all, what do you do in the oil and gas sector? Um, GCC is largely a company that deals with engineering, construction, life support services, supply chain management, and uh, specialized uh, services. Um, we started in 2011 
doing facilities maintenance and uh, wall site management. And facilities maintenance is basically to say that you have assets, SEs, funds, water, plumbing, um, and you need them to be running 24-7 so that they do not disrupt the operations of the people who are working within the camps. And that's what we've been doing from around 2011. Uh, a bit of construction, minor works with the oil and gas for Talo, uh, Total, uh, Sinok. Um, right now, we have also now scaled up. We've done a construction for a couple of camps and reforms. Um, right now, we've scaled up to life support services. And just to put it simply, life support services is basically providing a hotel service like Sheraton or Serena in a remote location. In the bush. In the bush, because largely uh, oil and gas is usually happens in areas where there's nothing. No single infrastructure. So what we do is you come and tell us, I need to house maybe 300 people. So we'll do the plumbing for you, we'll get the water for you, we'll get the power for you, we'll build the accommodation units for you, provide the beddings, uh, do the catering, the meals that you require, and housekeeping and laundry. Everything that you need, all you need to do is pay for a service, just like you'd pay to go into a hotel. Enter for a hotel, weekend. pay the bill. Enter the hotel, pay the bill, walk in and out, and do your thing. Everything else will take away that headache from you. So we make sure that your meals are there, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We make sure that your hot water is hot and running. We make sure that uh, the SC systems, the plumbing, uh, the electricals, the lighting is all okay. Uh, Wi-Fi, name it. All you need to do is to pay us a service. Come, sleep. In the morning, go and work. Come for your breakfast. Come for your lunch. Come for your dinner. Go back to bed. In the morning, go back to work. So that is what we provide at the moment. And obviously, because um, it's a remote location, you need to have a robust supply chain. Because for the employees to be able to provide these services... They need to have constant and regular supplies that allow them to provide a fantastic job for our clients. Great. So let's look at that aspiration. A young man, uh, are you basically building a hotel in the bush? Or are you offering those services in the bush? You told us earlier how your journey began as a business person. How did you get to this aspiration? How has that journey been to say, right now, I am offering this service? Because business people are wondering, also me, I'm here hustling. How do I get to that level where I can do something like that? You had an aspiration, you had some knowledge, but then you walked a certain journey from uh, 2011, you said. You walked a certain journey up to date. How has that journey been? Uh, the relation, you told us about some of your mentors. What did you have to do to get to where you are today as a business person? Because someone out there wants to do the same thing. But how do I walk, especially in this sector, how do I walk that journey, having that aspiration, first of all, and then taking the steps to reach where you are now? Well, um, this is a difficult question. I don't consider myself a motivational speaker uh, because I believe everyone's journey is slightly different. <clears throat> but fundamentally, I think there has to be a lot of ambition and enthusiasm for you to be able to succeed. And success does not, is not really a destination. It's a continuous journey. Um, if you ask me whether this is what I started out thinking needs to be done, I will say no. Even today, I don't know exactly what needs to be done. 
But at the end of the day is that along the way you find opportunities <clears throat> and then you try to grasp them and be able to deliver on them. Obviously, they will bring you some revenue, uh, some uh, good money, but for you to stay the journey, I think two things for me are most important. One <clears throat> is the resilience. Because you speak about the 11, 12 years that we've had. But um, some of the people we started with in the oil and gas in 2011 closed shop. Others changed businesses. <clears throat> uh, others could not manage to... Because they were, it's a bit cyclic, up and down. So at one point we had 140, 140 people. <clears throat> we had to scale down to about 60. We scaled down to about 40. We went to 20 people. But we still had hope that this was going to happen, so we needed to hang in there. Obviously, it's very painful to let people go, especially knowing that they are earning from the business, and that earning is what takes care of their homes. They have to take kids to school, they have to pay for medication, they be, gives them a lot of dignity, but at the end of the day, it's impossible for you to retain them. And I think that is one of the most painful things, and probably one of the things that drives uh, business people <clears throat> because <clears throat> going to bed knowing that tomorrow I have to let Chris go after so many years with me I think that's one of the most challenging things and why people do not sleep to make sure that Chris can continue to have a job because his family is expecting him to provide because his family is expecting to go to school then you wake up today and then say I cannot afford you anymore I need to let you go and while people think that people are motivated because they are hungry and ambitious, I think for me, it's the humanity side of it. Is that people are expecting to come every morning to deliver something, get paid, and support their families. And for me, that's the biggest driver and probably what keeps us in the game. Two uh, is the relationships. I think the value of relationships and networks in that is, a, is very understated. And just I've given you a bit of a background. So for some of us where we come from, and I believe 90% of most Ugandans, you start off with a shorthand of the stick because there is no level ground. And you have to build uh, to create that type of level ground. And I'm not saying that you need to have money. No, but to be able to be in a room where there are opportunities being discussed, and you have the ability to try and tap into them. Now, when you come from humble backgrounds, that is impossible. When you do not have come from a proper bloodline, that is impossible. So, building these networks, and sometimes it takes you 10, 15, 20 years, and that depends on the path that you've taken. So, and I'll give it a, a small example. So, someone who has been born, let me say, in Chavujimbi, has gone to a seed primary school, um, he's probably not going to meet Chris. He will not meet uh, the CEO because there is nowhere they are going to meet from. So one of the things that could probably equalize for him is academic excellence. So if you're not a very uh, bright student like I was, uh, very average, it means now you need to try and create relationships that grow that ladder to a level where you'll be able to meet a Chris who can put you in a room full of opportunities and then you can decide what it is that you'd like to pursue.
So relationships for me and networks are fundamental. But you cannot build them if you do not have uh, transparency, honesty, and obviously the, the love of people. Because some people build them because they want to benefit something from them. But relationships are much more than that. Because today, maybe I have built a relationship with Chris, but the opportunity is not yet available. But five, ten years down the road, it is the same relationship I built in 1990 and 2010 that would probably usher me into that room where there's an opportunity. Wow, that's wisdom right there. Guys, two things critical. I found resilience and relationships. Resilience to be able to stay tough through the game, through the hard times, especially, as you know, after COVID, but also, most importantly, the relationships you've built, and the relationship is not built today for tomorrow's gain, but over years. Thanks a lot, Agri, for that. And I'm going to encourage you guys to ask lots of questions online. We have people out there who are ready to ask. Please go ahead and ask Agri here to answer our questions. Now, Agri, about the services that you offer, tell us what exactly are you doing now? You have a camp. You set up a camp. The day's journey, because people still don't, until you get to the sites where you're offering services, people don't appreciate the, all the plugs you have to put in there to offer the service and also the opportunities for Ugandans out there things like supplying food supplying toilet paper supplying air freshener name it for people in one station and what that means to the Ugandan economy or the people the, the, the people doing business here and what opportunities they, they can use they can have rather to for to work with people like you because also you you're a tier two supplier so that whole economy what is there that you're doing practically for example, a day, what does your day look like at the camp? And what are the things that you have to plug in to make sure that you offer the services that you need to offer? Um, well, loaded question. But um, I'll say for the last six months, I think since January, uh, we have all been hands on deck, the whole team. No rest, almost 10, 12 hours a day, trying to mobilize for the two contracts that we have. One, uh, I would say, is a tier one contract, and the other one is a tier two contract. One will be 300-man camp. The other one is 4,000-man camp. Um, just to put into perspective what we do is that people take breakfast between about 5.30 and 6.30. And averagely, if everyone is taking two eggs a day for, per breakfast, 4,000 men, that is 8,000 eggs per day. Um, in a week times seven, that is 42,000 eggs a week. a week. Now, people, ha when they wake up at 5.30, they must be breakfast. The two eggs must be there, and they will be able to have they them. They don't eat only eggs. They don't eat only eggs. I'm just giving an example. <laughs> and they, then by 6.30, they are heading out to go and do their work. So, for you to have 42,000 eggs a week, from suppliers that need to be able to guarantee you that supply stability is one of the key challenges. Obviously, wow. um, along the way, we've tried to build certain rapport with the different suppliers mm. to make sure that these things are available. Yeah. One, price stability, mm. and obviously two, um, is supply stability. Remember, our contracts are fixed term, so you lock in the prices now, Long and for the whole period of the contract. Yeah. So now they are taking 42,000 eggs per day. They will have a glass of juice. 
they will have a bottle of water they will have a pancake they will have so all sausage. these things a sausage uh, bread all these things have to be there every morning every lunch every dinner now managing all these different items you need to have a robust supply chain to make sure that the products are in on time they are delivered in the right standards and the right qualities because if you get a food poisoning um, incident on site it's not just food poisoning because it has a ripple effect so if you have say chris who's working on a rig is being paid $600 a day so every time he's not working is $1200 lost and if he's probably one of the main person on the rig and that rig is not in stop. action that day and it has to stop that is anywhere between $300,000 $400,000 a day that the rig is not working so there is no wow. productivity so in terms of standards and quality it's very important to make sure that the HACCP requirements are met and this is hazard analysis critical control points to avoid contamination of this food all the way from the farm to the fork so wow. we have uh, very young uh, energetic men in the HSC department who make sure that this quality is managed plus our project managers that every from wherever the food is produced from how it is harvested how it is transported how it is stored how it's delivered, how it's prepared, and how it is served uh, at the dining table is very important to ensure that there's no contamination across that, that chain. Now, in terms of supplies, uh, we are looking largely to people who can be able to guarantee us, obviously, quality, but price and supply stability. But we faced certain challenges, and it's understandable because it's a new industry, uh, people may be excited they will say I can do this you say okay I'll give you the opportunity he makes the first supply second supply third supply a few of them would want to probably marry another wife or start a, a relationship <laughs> and tomorrow you're calling them where can we deliver and he says ah, I've gone into another business so these are some of the practical challenges that we are facing but uh, a few champions are coming through and we are hoping that we shall be able to work with them and we'll be able to grow the SMEs. We have um, an obligation, obviously, from the regulator to source uh, maximally from the six priority districts within the Albertine. Hoima, Masindi, Chikube, Bulisa, Nuoya, Pakwach, to make sure that we can leave as much money as possible within these communities, but also to hire as many people as possible from these communities. I think currently we are at about 147 uh, people. But about you employ? Yes. You employ 147 people. For Guys, now. Let's if you employ 147 people, don't clap. If you don't, please clap. Yeah. Because those are small economies you're impacting. Yeah, yeah. Each of Uganda, about every person, is about five people behind them. Oh, yes, because um, if you look, I think we are about, about 50% are from the communities. Okay. And these are people who are working for the very first time. Wow. And largely women, women who are breaking the barrier of the relationships. Um, I know at certain points the husbands have come to ask for their ladies back. <laughs> and we have told them that let's give them the opportunity to make some money because they will still help the family. So it's quite an interesting journey. 
and we think we shall be able to reach about 300, 400 people when we get to peak. And uh, we are focused a lot on the communities, creating um, employment opportunities, but also the training. Yes. And we believe even when our contracts are run out, these people will have the necessary skills now to compete in the job market. So, like I said before, is that when, you, when communities have such opportunities, it somehow equalizes the disadvantages that they've been having for a long time. Yes. So, there will not be any much difference between person who has worked with us in the camp and probably someone who has been trained from these prestigious uh, hotel uh, entities that is working at the Sheraton at the Serena. Because it's basically the same quality of service. Yeah. So, we encourage anyone who thinks they can be able to provide us with a service, especially food, uh, Is food your biggest challenge? Um, well, I wouldn't say it's a big challenge. We have a good network right now. In the beginning, yes, but now that we've been running for about um, 75 days, at least for Blisa, we just served our first meals for Tilenga two days ago, and we hope that that will grow. I think now we have received a bit of stability in terms of the opportunity. So certain people also thought that this opportunity was not coming, it is not real, yes. but now when they get first order, second order, third order, they, they understand that, oh, there's actually business here. Yeah. So they are concentrating on growing themselves and making sure that they meet the standards. Obviously, the payment cycles, being what they are in the industry, um, certain entities are struggling with the, the payment terms. But we're trying to find a win-win situation for them to still support um, the small uh, and medium enterprises and also to speak to the different financials to help them to be able to scale because as we grow, also the demands keep growing. Yeah. Great. So that you've had guys, there are so many opportunities. Imagine the story of the egg, I think, should give us some highlight of what else is needed. Imagine a hotel. The other time I mentioned that if you have no hotel in Uganda can, can, keep, can, can stay 5,000 people or 4,000, even 1,000. None. So imagine what's out there and the opportunities that come with it from toilet paper to eggs, sausages, name it, soap, etc. So those are opportunities. And Agri is here. If you're in the room, you can probably take a number. And, and ask for some business. Now, there are some questions online. Uh, we are coming almost to a close. There are some questions online. As a young man, this is from Aluma, recently graduated with an engineering degree. How can I partake of some of the opportunities in oil and gas? First steps. What, does, what do you advise that young man to do? Also, he's asking you because you've been in the sector. Uh, you know what's going on. How do you advise that young man? Um, Olum is the name? Yes, Aluma. 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 Um, for, I will say probably the opportunities in the engineering for oil and gas are probably tilted 80 20. 80 largely to the technicians and 20 to degree holders. But I know there are a couple of graduate programs that are being run by Sinoc and Total. They can check the different websites but also uh, a couple of um, opportunities that are being floated almost in the daily. They can check the newspapers. Uh, they can check with the human resource companies, Q-Sourcing, Seawall, um, and a few others, True North, who are hiring on behalf of the different contractors. Okay. So there should be opportunities for him there. All right. 
So one thing, I know as we were speaking uh, in preparation for the interview, you told me about people. And as we close, I want you to tell us a little bit about that. You said one of your greatest lessons or the things you see that are really important for your business but also for the sector is the people that you have with you. And through Business Guard, you always talked about people, employing the right people, training them, equipping them to be able to offer your service. So as we close, just tell us about that for this particular sector and then we can... Um, maybe, I think when you have the right people with you, 90% of the job is done. And there's no one or there's no single successful entity that does not have the correct people who are willing to, to do extra for the business. Uh, my own perspective, and it's not just at GCC, but even at the football club, because then it allows me to do my DJing. I know you don't know I'm a DJ. Yeah, uh, I, know. I know that. That one you didn't tell us. Yes. <laughs> So it allows me to do my music mixes because I know there are people who can be able to handle the business even when I'm out. So at the football club, at GCC, at Axis, any of the entities that we are, when you don't have the right people, you're going to end up killing yourself and you'll not be able to be effective and have success. So getting the correct people is very important. And um, my view, and I keep telling people that largely... Academic excellence for me, yes, is okay, but I don't really uh, uh, rate it at the, as the number one because everyone will have an education, everyone will have a degree. Yes. But the things I look for, and usually for the key positions, after my team has done everything, I tell them I need to see the person because I'm looking for humanity, I'm looking for Ubuntu, I'm looking for honesty, I'm looking for people who can relate with others. The people who do not feel like they are landing into a space to try and create a fundamental change. I'm looking at people who can learn and unlearn, who are teachable, young and enthusiastic. So those are the other qualities that I look for uh, in the critical areas. And for me, if you have those, the rest is teachable. The rest we can train, the rest we can grow together. So being the first grade, they call it what? Honors. Honors degree. And for me, it's not because it. if you can't relate with the different people, mm. if you cannot connect the dots with the teammates, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are, you will fail. Yes. So for me, people are the most important, and uh, I upload the teams that I work with. They do a fantastic job. I know sometimes I push them so much because I don't like to That's fail myself. <laughs> I push them so much, and you feel they are breaking. But at the end of the day is that we get to uh, cross the line successfully, and we get to get to our deliverables in an efficient manner. So, yes, it's very important to have the correct people around you. Great, great. Ladies and gentlemen, let's celebrate Agre Ashava from GCC. I can see you're getting a standing ovation. We are here to learn, and I think he's done a great job in helping us to understand what's in the industry, but also what we need to do as business people. So, Agre, thank you so, so much. My pleasure. And as we normally do, I have two announcements. The first one is Harvest Multipurpose Cooperative. At your locations, wherever you are, there is someone registering you. If you want to join Harvest Multipurpose Cooperative, please do so because we are the next big thing in terms of finances. So don't miss the opportunity. And as we close, ladies and gentlemen, you might have joined the link. You might be watching this program. Someone invited you. But we are here really to resource business people in doing things the God way. 
and God wants you to succeed in your business. So if you've just joined in and you don't know what we're about, we want to give you the opportunity uh, to surrender your life to Christ because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one who gives you wisdom to get wealth. He's the one who gives you, who resources you to do what you're doing. So as we close, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because through him you have all things. So I want you to pray this prayer with me if you're willing to give your life to Christ because it's the beginning of your success, of your business. Just say this prayer with me. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give my life to you. I want to surrender and I want to confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and my Savior. Take my life and do something very significant with it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you say that prayer, there's a number on the screen, uh, 0775-0775-642-0775. I want, I want the number. I want the number. 075 Call that number and the person behind that line will tell you what to do. But also if you're a business person and you're going through any challenge, call that number and someone behind that line will pray with you. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this Sunday. Come again next Sunday, same time, same place. But also stay tuned in for the 9 a.m. garage service. We're going through a series of healing. So if you have anyone, anyone you know who is sick or unwell, ask them to tune in on this same channel at 9 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great Sunday and a great week. Go and succeed in your business. God bless you. For listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.